Hello, my friends. This is your old pal, the Duke of Burgundy. Some call me Charles the Bold. And I do not know why I'm here today to talk about two English colonists, uh, but I am a person who... Hey, how y'all doing, guys? Sorry about the mess. I just had to put him down because he was in my chair. But hey, how you doing? It's me, your old friend, Bill Clinton. How you doing? Bill, how's it going? Oh, man, it's been a while. Uh, I haven't seen you since we did that thing in St. John all those years ago. That was, that was a wild night. <laughs> that was a long time ago, and that did not go over well at all. Did Judy call you back? <laughs> oh, no, man, I don't think about that sort of thing okay, anymore. Right. <laughs> I don't. You know what? I just try to forget any interactions I've ever had with women. I think it's for the best at this point. You just uh, murdered that person. Well, you know, I murdered a lot of people. <laughs> Over the years, I mean, shit, I've done some bad shit. You know those people on Twitter? They're right. <laughs> oh, but it's all fun. It's all fun and games. Wow. How you doing? I'm great. I mean, Barry, it's so good to see you now. I just wanted to come Is down here. Is this an here. intro or you just want to have a conversation? Look, look, I, look, I just wanted to come down here and I wanted to say that you were doing some real fine work. Thank you. What about Jason? Real fine work. Well, he's fine. Uh, hey, Bill, how you doing? Look, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you know why. I'm not sure if it's Bill Clinton or Dr. Phil Jason, but uh, we'll, we'll get to the bottom of this. No, I'm Bill Clinton, I swear. Oh, okay. okay. I swear. Trust me, you don't want to take no advice from me, honestly. Mm, right. But what I wanted to say was that you guys are doing a bang-up job. Thank you. Uh, you're bringing attention to a wonderful cause that is British film, because mm. I really think that the world needs to know more about how good British film is. Unexpected. Well, you know, I, I, I've always considered myself something of a cinephile, and that is the bestophile that I am of the many. Uh, but I, you know, you guys are you guys are just really tearing it up, and I just want you to know that. Thank you. Now, while I'm here, can I ask you? Do you have any money? Uh, you're a you're a Clinton. I mean. Yeah, I know, I know. I just just I'm asking. Do, do you have any money? You're, you're strapped for cash. I mean, I could just. You know, twenty bucks. I mean, I can I can check what I got. Just give me a second. Yeah, here. if you could just if you just dig in there. I mean, it's it's just you know, I'm a, it's a rough patch and. Oh, yeah, let's see here. I've been working on. Uh, this is a coupon for a free movie. You can only use it if you're employed by the theater. You know what? I'll take it. Okay. Thanks, Brendan. No problem. Thanks, buddy. Jason. Hey, happy to have you, Bill. Thanks for coming by. All right, you guys keep on keeping on, and uh, just know that you have my full endorsement for this podcast. I don't know that we want it, Bill, but I appreciate you offering it. <laughs> Fuck you, Jason. Have a good one, Brandon. We'll see you later. All right, see ya. Ladies and gentlemen. Wow, the 42nd president of the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Um, it's a real big get. I don't know that we should have had him, but I, I, that introduction was hardly an introduction. Yeah, but when Bill Clinton when Bill Clinton wants to do something, he just kind of does it, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> man, but, I, man, I missed the '90s when it was still cool to do Bill Clinton impressions. I thought you were going to say when it was still cool to touch women inappropriately. <laughs> Brendan, no, certainly not. <laughs> it was not okay in the '90s, and it's not okay now, unless I mean, they want you to. Well, then, then it's f- fair game. Yeah. I think. The movie with Cindy Crawford? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Folks, this week we're talking about a movie that is not fair game starring Cindy Crawford. What? No, we are talking well, this is, about... Hold on, this is a podcast. This is a podcast. It's called For Screen. And it's called For Country. No, it's not. It's good. <laughs> we're 
screen. And contra. There you go. I got it. And I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Yeah. And, and go on. We're not doing fair games. We're not doing Cindy fair Crawford. games starring Cindy Crawford. We're do, but we are doing about a movie about a woman that is just as important as Cindy Crawford's character in Fair Game, Queen Elizabeth the First. Almost as important. Almost I mean, come as on. important. <laughs> she falls out of a building that's exploding and somehow survives. Let's give credit where credit's due. Absolutely. But. Today, we're going to learn the story of Queen Elizabeth I in 1998's aptly named Elizabeth. But before we do that, Jason, we are going to read some comments and uh, perhaps questions regarding the movie we talked about last week, Passport to Pimlico. Oh shit, that reminds me. I gotta deal with the corpse of the ghost of the Duke of uh, Burgundy. I mean, I didn't know ghosts could have corpses, it seems. I think, I, I think he shit his pants. A ghost shit is ghost shit? A woo! <laughs> Alright, folks. Well, Jason had to step out for a moment, so I am going to go through some of the things we, uh, some of the comments we received for uh, last week's film, of course, uh, Passport to Pimlico. Uh, our first being from Eolin Allen. I, I'm not pronouncing that right. I know I'm not, and I apologize, <laughs> but. Uh, so the comment is, one thing I loved was how the film from early on really built up a sense of community. The outdoor shooting and location really assisted in this, and you felt part of the world and of these people. That helped keep me interested in seeing how these people's lives developed, with the snooty guy who became treasurer being my favorite. I also thought this was quite a sexual movie for its time. Not explicitly, but more of an undercurrent. It seemed like if it was made in the States... There would have been some elements cut out, like the lingerie scenes and the couple making out so passionately outside the bar. Glad to have watched it, and probably deserves a place in this list for reflecting post-war Britain so well. Well, thank you for that comment. That was uh, very extensive, very good. Um, yeah, no, I think it kind of we kind of said it's a silly comedy, but it's got enough going for it that it should be on the list, probably on the lower end, I think, but. Yeah, I think they made a lot of good points, and yeah, it is very sexual for the, for the time. I mean, this was 1949, I believe, and yeah, there's some stuff in there that I'm like, ooh, oh boy. Uh, let's moving on. Here we get Alistair McCulloch, McCulloch, McCulloch. I'm sorry says, I've seen it two to three times over the years. Great film, well worth watching. Based on the same sort of logic that proves that Berwick on Tweed is still at war with Russia, apparently because the town kept moving back and forth between English and Scottish rule, when war was declared on Russia in 1853, it was stated that the war involved England, Scotland, Wales, and the town of Berwick-upon-Tweed. When peace was declared three years later, Berwick was omitted from the treaty, hence Berwick is still officially at war with Russia. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, good luck, Berwick, in the war with Russia. Uh, they're, you're small but mighty. Uh, Tom Marshall says, One of my favorite films, classic British comedy based on class differences and the little man against the establishment. Good fun. Yeah, I mean, and and like we kind of hit the theme a few times uh, with like I'm Alright Jack. It was a similar thing there. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a thing that kind of repeats itself in British cinema, much like American films have a lot of, like, repeated kind of story frames and themes. Like, this seems to be one that is creeping up on us a lot now. Uh, after we did a lot of movies about angry young men, this seems to be the new uh, kind of thing that we're hitting on. Yeah, we're hitting on it. Yeah, like a, like a lovely uh, lady, we're hitting on it every time. 
Uh, we also have a comment from Twitter here, at uh, Female Nonsense, which I just want to give a shout out to, at Female Nonsense. Uh, and also Michelle Zuspan, two listeners who reached out to us uh, recently. Thank you very much. Uh, very, uh, very cool to hear from from our listeners. I love I love hearing comments. I love hearing feedback. Please keep it coming. Uh, it's fantastic. I also want to give a big shout out to at Red V 7 That's R E D V E E 7 Also a listener who was nice enough to reach out and say some really nice things. So thank you. But anyway, at Female Nonsense says, loving your take on this. I've um, not watched this one. Uh, it has a reputation of one of the lesser Ealings, I think. But I will try to remedy this soon. By the way, if you like Margaret Rutherford, of course we do. Margaret Rutherford is wonderful. Uh, you must watch The Happiest Days of Your Life with her and Alistair Sim. It's such a cute, fun film, and both are top-notch in it. And it's not on the list? So yeah, uh, I've never heard of that movie, but you know, maybe we'll have to, maybe we'll have to cover it on a special episode. Who knows uh, if I can find it. So the last thing we're going to do here is compare Passport to Pimlico, which is number sixty-three on the British Film Institute list, to number sixty-three on the American Film Institute list, which is of course Cabaret. And this will be really easy because I have not seen Cabaret. So by default, congratulations, Passport to Pimlico, you win. So having said all that, guys, thank you very much for the comments, guys and gals. Uh, thank you mu- very much for the listener interactions. We love that stuff. And right now, uh, Jason is going to come back in the room, and we are going to talk about this week's film, 1998's Elizabeth. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to a very modern film on the list. Almost, Jason. By two months, it's almost the the newest movie on the list. But there's one more that came out two months after that. So it's I think it's like the second newest one. That'd be Shakespeare in Love. That would be Shakespeare in Love, which is very similar. But we'll we'll get into that we'll get into for that. sure. But we're talking about 1998's Elizabeth, number 71 on the list, directed by uh, Shekhar Kapoor, which is really interesting because that's an Indian man directing a uh, rather you know one of those typically. I mean, this one isn't. But it's what you would think of as like a stuffy costume yes. movie. And it just, uh, right off the bat, I, like right when I saw that, by the way, his name would pop up. I was like, oh, so this is this might be a little bit of a different take. Well, if this dude grew up in India, I mean, there's a good chance that he was exposed to some British culture that was left over from the Raj period. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can see why. I mean, hey, Ang Lee directed Sense and Sensibility. So. Oh, yeah, that's what I mean. And that and that, that made me sto- more stoked to watch that one, too, because you get a different perspective. I want to see a costume drama directed by John Woo. <laughs> I'm sure it'd be great. I, I think it would be. It'd be awesome. Mm. In fact, well, he probably has, I imagine, in China, but there's still probably action pictures, probably like war movies. Did he direct Red Cliff? He did, so he's done like drama. Yeah, I gotta watch that. I really gotta watch that. That looks fucking cool. Yeah, five hours. I'll just set that yeah. aside. Well, hey, I, I, I still have to watch the TV version of Das Boot as well, which is five hours long. <laughs> 
But anyway, we are talking about Elizabeth, <laughs> yes. which is not a submarine movie. <laughs> Damn it. And it stars Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. as Queen Elizabeth I, Jeffrey Rush as Francis Walsingham, Joseph Joseph Fines, not Rafe this time. The lesser Fines. As Robert Dudley, ages like a Fines Wines. Yes. Discount Fines. Richard Attenborough is in this movie. Mm. Yeah, we talked about him in a much older movie. Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, we talked about Jurassic Park. Much the Great older... Escape. <laughs> we talked about I'm Alright Jack, which he yes. was also in. But in this movie he plays uh, William Cecil. Christopher Eccleston, who I know him from I know him from that terrible G.I. Joe movie. He plays the Duke of Norfolk. He I I well, and of course I know him as the fucking doctor. The Doctor in the first season of the reboot of Doctor Who. Sure. He's amazing in that. He only stayed around for one year, though. And then he was in that season of Heroes that was pretty good and then went to shit afterwards. Well, there you have it. Yeah. Uh, Kathy Burke as Queen Mary I. Vincent Cassell, French actor uh, that some of you may know, as the Duke of Anjou. Emily Mortimer as Kat Ashley. Kelly MacDonald as Isabel Nolis. John Gielgud as Pope Pius V. Daniel motherfucking Craig mm-hmm. as John Ballard. The handsome monk. Listen to this. Alfie Allen as Arendelle's son. And as lady-in-waiting, Lily Allen. There you go. The singer herself. This is a giant... And, and Alfie Allen from Game of Thrones as Theon Greyjoy. And John Wick. Yeah. So, Wait, guys. Keanu Reeves is in this? <laughs> yeah, Alfie Allen is also Keanu Reeves. <laughs> so, Jason, right off the bat, this is one impressive cast this is this is a cast of uh stars there's no question of, of acting or at least actors actors acting heavyweights yeah oh, absolutely like all these people like it yeah like every one of these people you'd say like well they're they're a respected actor this is exactly the kind of cast you get for this kind of movie yeah uh yeah no one's really seen no one really seems like a kind of like oh crazy that this person's that i mean daniel craig maybe a little bit but he obviously wasn't bond at that no, time so it wouldn't have been out of field and he was he was <laughs> no he wasn't bond he was a young guy he was a young guy <laughs> I don't know what Daniel Craig was in around this era. I, uh, I don't think like I didn't really come to know him until I think was it Layer Cake. That that, that was that wasn't until two thousand four, yeah, two thousand five so maybe. I don't know what I would have seen him in before. I'm sure I saw him in something. You know, he probably was like in a backer, like like this, a supporting role. Yeah, I was going to say he is not a major part of this movie at all. But let's get into it, Jason. Elizabeth, nineteen ninety eight, Queen Elizabeth the first. Set us up in history a little bit, if you can. Um, Queen Mary. The first mm-hmm. is still in power, correct? Yes. yes. And she is, quote unquote, pregnant, or she thinks she is. She thinks she's pregnant. Uh, she is not no, pregnant. No, because her a, husband don't fuck her. That's right. No, I mean, maybe maybe he does. I don't know, Philip II of Spain, but he was he was away. Um, but no, she uh, has uterine cancer, according to the film, and she mistakes the, the tumor for pregnancy. And so she is on her way out of this world. Unfortunately for her, since she doesn't have an heir, that means that the uh, uh, the monarchy is going to pass to her sister, Elizabeth, younger sister. And we learn her opinion on that immediately, and uh, why don't you guys take a listen? What news, my lords, of the rebellion against our authority? Sussex? Madam, it is safely dispatched, thanks to his grace. Sir Thomas White and the other leaders are already dealt with. But if they had succeeded, these Protestants and heretics meant to place your sister upon the throne. There is no proof against the Lady Elizabeth. She's plainly guilty. What need is there of proof? As long as she remains alive, there will be plots to raise her to the throne. 
Ambassador? I agree with His Grace. She is a heretic. She must never be allowed to succeed. But if she... If she were brought properly to trial, she would not be found guilty. And we would all be condemned. She has many friends in Parliament. My sister was born of that whore, Anne Boleyn! She was born a bastard! She will never rule England! So if you've ever heard the song, I'm Henry VIII, I am, I am... I got married to the widow next door. She's been, been married, married seven, seven times, times before. before. Yeah, if you've ever heard that song, uh, he's their dad. He is the father of Mary I and, of course, Elizabeth. Yes. Elizabeth's mother, of course, is Anne Boleyn, who Henry VIII had executed. So there's a bit of tension there. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> so um, you have to understand, at this time in England, there is a lot of religious strife. Yes, Catholics versus Protestants. And it's because of Henry VIII. Live on pay-per-view. So, and uh, the 1500s specifically are a period where you've got different religious movements going on across uh, Europe, mm. whether it's Anabaptists or whether it's Lutherans or uh, like in Germany and shit. But, Lex but, Lutherans. <laughs> Lex Lutherans. <laughs> they meet every year on the deck of the USS Independence. <laughs> <laughs> Try to body slam each other. Yep. <laughs> they just get a big fat Hawaiian guy to come by. <laughs> But enough of our wrestling indulgence. There's so much crossover, Jason, <laughs> between British film and 90s wrestling Absolutely. references. So uh, uh, so in England, you've got uh, the breakaway of the Church of England from the Catholic Church, because Henry VIII, of course, wanted to divorce uh, uh, a wife, and the Catholic Church is like, well, we don't really do that. So he's like, fuck you, I'm going to start my own church with blackjack and hookers. And he did. And they're called Protestants. Absolutely. Uh, so... At this time, you've got a, a divided loyalty between the, the Catholic Church that many people are still loyal to because that's their religion and always has been, mm -hmm. and then people that are loyal to the Church of England, which is, you know, the kind of the established church. Now, at this point, Mary is queen and Mary is a Catholic. So. Mary is a Catholic. Elizabeth is a Protestant. So Protestants are being persecuted, and we see that right into the gate in the opening of the movie when three of these Protestants are burned at the stake. It's a very, like... What I like about this movie right off the bat is it tells you right away, it's not going to be your typical stuffy costume no. drama, because we're going to start out with this brutal scene yeah. in which not only are they burning at the stake, Jason, mm -hmm. but one of them audibly asks for people to throw more kindling yeah. in because they are burning too slowly, yeah. and, and people are doing it, yeah. but the guards are trying to stop them. Yeah, I know, exactly. It's these, crazy. These people are, try are literally trying to show them mercy by letting them burn faster, and and the guards don't want to let, don't it, happen. Want to let it happen. It's they want to let them suffer. Yeah. Yeah, it's what they did in Europe. Like, you always think about, like, this here in North America, we often think of, like, the Salem witch trials, and they certainly executed people, but they never burned people at the stake. I mean, but they like, were witches, right? I mean, yes, clearly. Uh, like, I mean, they were justified, certainly. I mean, like... That's the hot take today, folks. For Screening Country Believes, the Salem witch trials were absolutely 100% justified. So just take that to the bank and smoke it. Just like my favorite band, they were justified. All right. <laughs> and your favorite TV show, coincidentally. <laughs> Oh, we have so much. There's fun here. so much more bullshit than usual this week. Yeah, yeah. We uh, have been doing a little partying, guys. Yeah, well, that's what we get for doing this late night on a Sunday. <laughs> I was pulling back that curtain. So let me let me read my words here that I wrote. So I said, <laughs> it's the 1500s in England, and boy howdy, shit is serious. Right out of the gate, we get to watching the burning of three religious heretics, three Protestants, and a Catholic state. Religious strife is the main diet of England at this time. Your words are poetry. Thank you. Mary, a staunch Catholic, sits on the throne. She thought she was pregnant, a necessity to produce an heir and secure her line on, on that same throne. 
Unfortunately, what she thought was a child turned out to be a tumor. In some places, it would just turn out to be a really big poo. But for her, unfortunately, it turned out to be a tumor. This is really a tragic tale. So she, so as we we learned in the clip, she's super paranoid about her younger sister Elizabeth, a Protestant, and she thinks she's a Protestant sympathizer, which you know she is. She is, but she doesn't hate Catholics. And she doesn't seem to hate Catholics. No, no. Uh, but she basically, yeah. So at this point, she's she's upset about that, and she basically says, "We had like as you heard in the clip, like we have to find a way to arrest her." And they do, and and possibly execute her for just. Just and we'll we'll say she's conspiring against us, and yeah. of course her one of her guys we heard say, "You won't have a case. Like if you yeah. bring this to trial, she'll be found innocent." And she also has friends in Parliament, yeah, who are going to help her get out of this. Yeah, because even at this time, like you've, you've got a, a divide of Protestants and Catholics, and secret, I imagine secret Protestants at least, because they're not the ones in power. It's my favorite Lifetime movie, <laughs> secret, secret Protestants. Protestants. <laughs> So, of course, she gets arrested and they interrogate her about her views uh, and the camera spins around in a way that is reminiscent of the later uh, masterpiece Behind Enemy Lines starring Owen Wilson. God damn. I think it's better done here than Behind Enemy Lines. I think think I'd agree with that. (laughs) Elizabeth is brought before Mary, who reveals that she has a tumor and she wants Elizabeth to promise her, just promise me that you will keep England a Catholic nation. That's all I want. Elizabeth says, I can promise you that I will do what my conscience says is right. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, no. She gets real upset. She gets real upset but, about that. Interesting thing here. Um, and why don't we take a listen? Because there's a note here about a, thi- a, a piece of paper that she can sign to basically be the end of Elizabeth. Yeah. And I just want you to hear, hear this clip because the the just the way they deliver the dialogue, you can tell like what's actually going on in their heads. I believe it's actually an execution warrant. When I look at you, I see nothing of the king, only that whore, your mother. (laughs) My father never did anything so well as to cut off her head. Your majesty forgets he was also my father. Why will you not confess your crimes against me? Because, your majesty, I have committed none. (laughs) You speak with such sincerity. I see you are still a consummate actress. My husband is gone. They have poisoned my child. They say it is a tumor. Madam, you are not well. They say this cancer will make you queen, but they are wrong. Look there, it is your death warrant. All I need do is sign it. Mary, if you sign that paper, you will be murdering your own sister. You will promise me something? (laughs) When I am gone, you will do everything in your power to uphold the Catholic faith. Do not take away from the people the consolations of the Blessed Virgin, their Holy Mother. When I am queen, I promise to act as my conscience dictates. So yeah, I just want to play a little bit of that scene because that that thing, whole thing is like he, I, I could I could sign this paper, this execution warrant, and be done with you. But um, 
Mary is not Henry VIII. She has a little more sympathy. Yeah. And she's not gonna she's not quite ready to execute her half sister. She's not quite a total psychopath like her father. Right, right. <laughs> uh and props to Kathy Burke. She is yeah, amazing Kath- in the little bit of screen time she has in this movie. Yes. She is a woman that is just on the on the goddamn edge. Yeah, she does the she does it very well. Um this mix of like paranoia and like clearly sickliness, sickliness and 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 anxiety and and depression and anger and just everything is just boiling inside this woman that knows her time isn't long and she hasn't done the thing she needs to do, which is have a kid to secure you know Catholicism in England. It was it was a lot to take in. Yeah, I know it's intense. <laughs> so Mary dies. If we that wasn't obvious that that was going to happen. Maybe some of you have read history. I don't know. Already politics have started. In fact, before she's even dead, Elizabeth is offered to marry, offered to marry Philip II, of Mary's Spain. current husband of Spain. Yeah. Um, and, and we also meet Richard Attenborough as William Cecil. Yes. Who's going to be her confidant. Yeah. He's also clearly in, in a Protestant way. Yeah. Um, he feels like a little bit balanced, mm. but yeah, he's definitely, yeah, he's definitely on her side more. Uh, he He's the one who advises her. He mm-hmm. says, "Look, you're probably going to become the queen. Like, there's no going, no going around this. Mary is obviously going to die, and you should definitely look into ha- like getting a husband and securing an heir." Yeah, and that's when the Spanish ambassador, who I love this guy, yeah. <laughs> I love this actor. I didn't, I didn't get his name. I looked up, I couldn't find his fucking name, but he is uh, great. You found out his name, Jason. What is his name? I believe his name is James Frain. The The character is listed as Alvaro de la Quadra. And I don't know if I caught his name in the movie, but I think it's James Frain. But yes, he's very good. He's very uh, yeah. He's very smoldering. He is very smoldering. That's why when I saw him earlier, I thought of Javier Bardem. Yes, but, uh, but a little skinnier. Yes. So yeah. he, yeah, he says like, you know, you could probably, ju- uh, you should marry the king of Spain. Which would be a smart political alliance because Spain is quite powerful and they have a very large armada that will come into Elizabeth's life later on, but not in this movie. Right. So Elizabeth inherits an England that is in a real tight spot. Shit's not going well. They've got enemies surrounding them and she's got enemies surrounding her in the court. Um, and the crown is in significant debt and the country's like infrastructure is falling to pieces. Like shit's not good for England at this point. No. Uh, um, and so, and then she's got people around her, like the Duke of Norfolk, uh, Mr. Eccleston. Who's, again, another tremendous performance. Yeah, great performance. Uh, uh, very he villainous. Is, he is a staunch Catholic and supporter of Mary and uh, is clearly there to advance his agenda. Well, I mean, everybody is. I mean, he's trying to covet the throne. Yeah, Let's just exactly. come out with it. It's pretty obvious from the beginning that he's he's not that loyal to Elizabeth. Uh, and but she, she does have some friends. We mentioned Sir William Cecil, her yep. advisor. Uh, but she's also been indulging in a secret love affair with one Lord Robert Dudley, played by the lesser finds, Joseph. Yes, Joseph, brother of Ralph. And that's not to say he's bad. He's just the lesser one of the two. They're both very good. Joseph, don't call me Ralph Fiennes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who, again, coincidentally, stars in the other movie that's on this list that's released two months later. Just really? want to say that. Yeah, and uh, but you know what? He wasn't in The English Patient, so he's got that going for him. Hey, take that, Rafe. Hey. I wonder if he does that at parties. He's like, well, at least I wasn't in The English Patient. And, and Rafe is like... like <laughs> it won Best Picture Oscar. Yeah, Rafe is like... <laughs> I, I, that won several awards. <laughs> and then he's like, I was in Harry Potter, and now I'm in James Bond. And Joseph is like... What's he doing? I'll, I'll be in the bathroom. Judd Hirsch... Uh, Taking a shit, I don't know. Judd Hershing it? No, I was... Uh, Judge... <laughs> 
Judge Reinhold. There we go. Judge Reinhold holding it. Which is hilarious because we were talking about that before we started recording. That's why I brought it back. It's a callback to something you didn't hear. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so, so yeah, she's having that affair with... Having an affair with Lord Dudley. And Lord she Dudley. also has a friend in Sir Francis Wallingham. Who is Walsingham. A, Walsingham. Yes. Walsingham. Played by Jeffrey Rush. Played by uh, Shine himself, Jeffrey Rush. As a... Uh, he is a, uh, an exiled Protestant who returns and becomes basically her personal bodyguard. Mm-hmm. Her personal tough, if you will. Yeah. He, her secret service. Slash, Brandon. slash, sort her of an... Shoot staffing. Okay. Are you, are you done? Her imperial guard. Her revolutionary guard. Her special forces. I'm done. <laughs> he sort of becomes her unofficial advisor for a little while because he's technically not allowed to be an advisor, mm-hmm. but he sometimes sneaks in these little bits of advice and she's kind of like, that's And everybody idea. is scandalized by the very idea that he's even speaking. You're not a member of this council, Sir Francis. Mm-hmm. And he is definitely, I actually, I get the feeling he's an atheist, right? Who, Sir Francis Walling? I think so. Well, you know he's a Protestant. I don't know, though, man, because like, there's a whole conversation scene where that kid tries to kill him. Yeah. And he just slices that kid's yeah. throat. Uh, there's a scene there where he kind of talks about, like, he uh, introduces the idea. He's like, maybe there's no God. Maybe there's no God. I don't know. I don't care. Like, I don't think he really I has... I think he's fucking with the kid, because he knows he's going to stab the motherfucker in the throat. I don't know, man. I think he's got, like, no belief one way or the other. I think he's just wherever he needs to be. Well, I mean, clearly he is... I mean, he's a supporter of the Protestant side for one reason or another. Now, that's not to say that it's necessarily religious support, mm-hmm. but that's certainly what it would be under the guise of. I think he... Honestly, I think he's doing his job and he's loyal to his job yes that's but he but he but like he'd been exiled for being a protestant so there's that that's part of it listen jason there's no uh there's no rush to get through this okay <laughs> brendan you're on top tonight Ugh. so of course her job number one is to produce an heir and she's looking into some suitors but you know nothing's really appealing to her she's not interested no uh but they have to put this aside temporarily because there's more troubling matters uh in scotland in the north uh, the scottish have been reinforcing their garrisons with french troops uh, yes under mary of guise yes uh, which is troubling because that's right on the English border and the scottish tra- traditionally have not been very fond of the english and for pretty good reason um the accents are different. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Elizabeth is still new to the job and really doesn't understand the military realities of the day. Not many people do. And um, keep in mind, I mean, like, we're talking about... I think Kate Blanchett was about 29 or so when mm. she filmed this, but the Queen Elizabeth was 25 when she was made queen. So, I mean, she's a very young woman. Yeah. Now, the timeline of history is different than this, but this, for the movie's sake... We'll get into that yeah, after. We'll, 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 we'll save, talk about we'll that. We'll save that, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's yeah she's still new to the job. She doesn't really understand how this all works, and she's being you know basically pressured by this council to figure out what they're going to do about uh, about the Scottish, and she's clearly being pressured by everybody in the room to attack the Scottish. Yes, and of course she doesn't want to attack them because she doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't want to just get a bunch of people killed without you know really understanding it. But they're all pressuring her, and even when she looks to Robert, the, her lover, the one guy she would expect to not press it, he's in. He's yeah. down for it. Hook, he line, thinks, sinker. Yeah. He's like, you got to do but it. Not hook, but not a fish hook. That's no. his brother. So, yeah. So they, so she orders the attack. They send a force up to Scotland to, to deal with the um, the French and the French, Scottish. Yep. 
and it doesn't go well. No. Uh, we don't actually see the battle happen, but we see the aftermath, and it clearly was a rout. A slaughter. A slaughter. An absolute and, massacre. Like, we literally see them walking around, in other words, bayoneting the wounded. Classic, mm-hmm. you know, old-school warfare style. And we, we later learn that this is basically, this was a ploy on the part of Lord Norfolk and the Catholic lords. Uh, they basically had sent a young, un, like undertrained and shittily equipped army. Very young, like the yeah. the boy that Mary spares. Yeah, looks like he was like twelve. Yeah, he's about twelve years old. Yeah. They they sent this young army up uh, with the express purpose of getting slaughtered to make her look bad. Yes, uh, politics <laughs> to deal with this to deal with this specific situation. She agrees to uh, basically look at Mary of Guise's nephew. Uh, oh, as right, a possible yeah. suitor. This is how she kind of like makes peace in this situation. Like to yes. kind of lay off on it. It's like, I'll... I'll, I'll bring him over. <laughs> bring him over. I'll look him over. I'll make him turn around. Check yeah. his butt out. If he's good, maybe we can do this. Yeah. How big's his dick? Absolutely. So then... Uh, so then... She says, I've got to win these bishops over. I've got to propose this act of uniformity that will uh, unite Catholics and Protestants just back into one religion is what i'm the church of england that's the idea the church of england church yes. of england is meant to serve both now the, now before we get into too much into the scene jason i do want to play this clip because mm. this is really interesting to me and you i actually asked you a little more about pulling back the curtain but i actually asked you a couple of uh ideas for clips for the show and this is one you specifically pointed out as a really good one yeah. this is her you'd see this in any movie in any yeah. time period yeah. this is elizabeth getting ready to deliver this speech yeah. that ultimately will win her win them over with this act of uniformity and this is just her rehearsing in front of a mirror this is her are you talking to me moment yeah or like any teen movie yeah. where a guy's going to ask a girl yeah. out on a date. So let's listen to this and keep in mind she's looking into a mirror and she's rehearsing this speech. I am your sovereign. I have been placed here. <clears throat> I. God has, God has placed me here. I am your anointed sovereign. I am your queen. And like my father, I mean to rule. There is one thing higher than royalty, my lord. And that religion I pass this I pass this act of uni- I ask you to pa- I I ask you to pass this act of uniformity it's not for myself it's for my people my people my lords there is one God we have a common there is one God this is for my people my people are my care only care the truth be my lords your votes are nothing without my consent. So one thing is this is a very important speech that she needs to conduct, obviously. And another thing is, like, I think this is this film's tremendous way of getting us on her side. Like, I think mm-hmm. we're already on her side. But I think because we're all de- we're dealing with the fucking royal family. Yeah. We're dealing with upper class. It's kind of hard to, like, relate. Yeah. But this is a moment anyone can relate to. You're nervous or something? Mm. What do you do? You rehearse it in front of a mirror? You, or I mean, I guess now you can fucking film it, I guess. But you rehearse in front of a mirror. You're talking to yourself. You're figuring out how you think the other people will respond. And this is so relatable. And I think this is actually a brilliant way to do this. Oh, absolutely. It it definitely shows that, you know, she's, I mean, we've seen this so far in the movie too, but it really drives home that, you know, she's just a regular person at the end of the day, no matter her position or, or her birth. She's just a normal person like you and me. And any of us would have to <laughs> practice for a very important speech in front of Parliament, Brendan. Yes, Parliament, not and the cigarettes, the actual thing. And 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 some very curmudgeonly old men. Very yes, old men that probably don't really have much 
consideration for listening to a woman speak about anything, let alone the queen, you know. Right. So, uh, that's, okay, here's the other thing, too. Like, this is what we're supposed to sympathize with her, but this, this Religious Uniformity Act, this isn't, like, really bringing unity between Catholics and Protestants. It's establishing the Church of England, which right. is, by its very nature, a Protestant church that is not under the authority of the Pope okay. as the as the Church of England, right? And right. that everybody has to believe in that because in those days, this was before the Enlightenment, you know? This was before the idea of religious liberty had really caught on and the idea of religious freedom and you just being able to believe what you want uh, as long as you don't... Uh, as long as you don't forget to pay Caesar his uh, pittance, you know. And, and it and is it is passed. She wins them over by five votes, mm-hmm. which coincidentally is a little bit less than the amount of people that Walsingham uh, tricks into being locked up in the dungeon. Which is a great political move, that, yeah. uh, which actually was pulled recently, sort of. And I have a theory, by the way, that when they ask him how much it won by, I feel like he said five just to fuck with them. I don't think it was actually won by five. He takes delight in yeah. that kind of stuff. And for me, I'm like, mm, it was probably a lot more of a bigger gap than that. And you just wanted to make them feel like shit yeah, because they exactly. couldn't change the, just it'd be fun, turn the tables. Fun for him. Yeah. So the Vatican isn't really happy about this, obviously. They don't like uh, they don't like losing a, 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 an expansion team like England. <laughs> right. <laughs> so they decide to send uh, some words out to the Catholic lords in England. And they decide to send a very handsome monk played by one Daniel Craig, to go do that. Which, again, I know I've played uh, quite a few clips, but I want to play this because not only do you hear Daniel Craig, but this is like John Gilgood's only scene. Yes. (laughs) He's playing Pope Pius V. John Gilgood, one of the most famous and legendary British actors of all time. Absolutely. And this is his only scene in the film, I believe. But the sort of guy you would want to play the fucking Pope. Yes. So let's just listen to this little uh, brief bit here. Tell me, my son. What is the news of our brothers and sisters in England? Do they still support the sovereignty of that illegitimate whore? No, Holy Father. They pray ceaselessly that England may be recovered from heresy. Prayers may not be sufficient. I will ask for guidance in this matter, but do not despair. Was it not truly said that the righteous shall inherit the earth? Yeah, so that that was that was John Gilgood and Daniel fucking Craig, guys. So yes, Daniel Craig is going out with all these letters to try to get people, I think try to figure out who's on their side, right? Yeah, and, and organize a resistance against her and maybe deal with her in some way or another, depose or kill her, whatever they need to do. A kind of band of conspirators. Absolutely. Yes. And not only that, Jason, but I'm going to point this out right now because I don't know how big this factors into the plot, but Walsingham has an assistant named Elliot, Elliot, Mm-hmm. And he's not a conspirator, but he hangs out with them and then reports to Walsingham. Yeah. Daniel Craig finds out about this. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, Daniel Craig is, like you said, he's a priest. Yeah. He, well, he's a monk. He grabs a rock yes. and bludgeons his head in. Oh, he beats the living fuck out of this guy. Like, yeah. He, it's brutal. And we don't see it because it's like kind of behind a rock, but we can hear it. And we just oh, yeah. see him pounding the rock into this guy's body. And that's not to say there aren't like violent, bloody scenes in this movie, because there are. But this is one that's definitely one of the most brutal. <laughs> left up more to the imagination, and that possibly makes it worse. Yeah. And then, of course, foreshadows uh, the kind of brutal James Bond he plays, in, uh, especially in Casino Royale, in that opening scene in the bathroom when he just fucks that guy up. Is it Casino Royale or Quantum of Solace you're talking about? I'm talking about Casino Royale. Okay. Because right at the very it... beginning, when it's in black and white, he okay. goes into the bathroom and just... I, th- I thought you meant Quantum of Solace because he's very revenge crazy in that movie. 
No, no, he just he's not revenge crazy in in casino. He's just doing his job and he's yeah. just beating the fuck out of this guy. But anyway, Daniel Craig kills a guy with a rock, and it is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, so also, uh, she uh, gets to meet uh, the Duke of uh, Anjou, played again another hilarious performance. <laughs> well, I shouldn't say another hilarious performance, but a hilarious performance from uh, Vincent yes, Castle. Yes, uh, a great performance. A performance that you will dislike the guy out of the gate. He's, yes. He's a, he's a fucking prick right out of the end of the gate. So <laughs> Immediately he's like, I could touch your quinny, which I'm guessing is a word for yeah, a vagina. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, okay. I think that's... Yeah, you know, he well, he, I mean, he's handsy, but it's more just even just because he's a pretentious fuck. He would so, not survive the Me Too era. So the, the opening scene when he shows up, basically there's like a parade that comes up and it's playing music, and which is hilarious because there's kind of like a, a musical duel between the the queen's trumpeters and then his weird fucking loot yeah loot music like uh, brave brave sir robin kind of shit right yeah and so they come up and they introduce uh, the duke and shakes the hand and whatever and then all of a sudden one of the musicians swings out with his flute and he's like no i am the duke and then <laughs> turns out yeah he's the duke he's like you didn't know it was me did you that's all so funny and you hate the guy immediately <laughs> and then he walks over and be is very forward with the queen very handsy he grabs her immediately and is going and putting hands over and ah, i can touch your queen like i don't know why i make him sound like a quebecer i apologize to quebecers that might be listening <laughs> Because um, I don't want to paint you with that brush of this this lecherous French guy. Jason, as a person that was born in Quebec, I gave you permission. All right. Thanks, Brendan. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he's he's a real shit. Like, I don't understand why he isn't just hanged right out of the gate for being like this. Like, you'd think taking these kind of liberties with the queen. I think the power that comes with him, maybe. Yeah, probably. I mean, he's Mary. Mary, Mary I mean, it's not Jesus. like they're in a position to just invade France and, and take them over. Well, let's know? keep in mind, he's Mary of Guise's nephew. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she doesn't want to piss her off. So it turns out, uh, yeah, she's not really interested in him because he's a real shitbag. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know. I'm going to say it right now because we learn later uh, in the movie that he's actually a uh, cross-dresser, mm-hmm. which in of itself shouldn't necessarily be an issue. But at the time, certainly is a, uh, a disqualifying factor, I imagine. And I think it just gave her a reason more than anything. Well, yes. it was. Well, certainly. Certainly like, gave I don't her think an ironclad reason. She, she's not necessarily, I mean, I'm sure most people were bigots at the time, but she's not necessarily portrayed as like a bigot. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just like, oh, this is my way out. I mean, at the time, the idea of that probably was less less acceptable. I mean, this is medieval times. This is before the, the Puritans really took over as far as the Protestants go. So maybe there was a more party. Certainly the Catholic Church has had its libertine periods. <laughs> if not in words, certainly in deed. <laughs> History. So Lord Dudley is still wanting to romance her a bunch. Yeah, and she loves him. And they're having this beautiful night on the lake. Yeah. There's lots of people around. But then, Jason... An arrow shoots through the air and nearly kills Elizabeth. Message for you, sir. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> so she's almost assassinated. Yes. And, um, and kills one of her guards and she gets guards. a bolt that uh, certainly wings her because she's bloody. Yes. Uh, and some, somebody with a crossbow even, which is a uh, you know, pretty cool weapon. <laughs> yeah. It would have been uh, would have been cooler if they cut to a shot of uh, Legolas. Yes. Oh man, and he's like sliding off the elephant trunk, and he just shoots the fucking queen. Fucking right. Why don't we remake this movie? Peter Jackson, give us a budget. All right. So, so the fact that Henry is a crossdresser and a bit of a sex fiend, the the Duke of he's Ajur. into orgies. Yeah, he's into orgies uh, and playing uh, as the woman clearly. So she's not interested in that, but Cecil's getting a little impatient with her, and and he knows her love for for Lord Robert, but he reveals to her that in fact Lord Robert turns out is already married. Yes. So that's a problem. 
uh, she's not happy about this, and they have a bit of a confrontation, and she just straight up turfs him from her bed in her life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in one of the weirder scenes in the movie, a little bit later, uh, Robert's fucking one of the servants, who happens to also be a redhead, mm-hmm. and gets the servant to steal, <laughs> or borrow, I suppose, uh, a dress of Elizabeth's so and wear it. That so he her. can pretend that she's her. Yeah. Or that she's her. And she puts the dress on and he's fucking her. And while he's fucking her, she starts to like scream, but not in a good way, in a real bad way. And he realizes this and then he like kind of like lays off and she like falls to the ground screaming. Turns out the dress was poisoned in an assassination attempt of the queen. With French silk. With French silk, Brendan. So who could that be, Jason? Points to Mary of Guise. It does. She tried to kill her. She tried. When in good faith, she looked at her weird nephew and, and gave it a real go and it just didn't work out. Yeah. So this is a problem. Uh, And since the attempt kind of points to Sir Mary of Guise, uh, Sir Francis is turned to. And he goes off to Scotland with the intent or with the cover story of uh, talking about the marriage. Yeah. She's going to give it a second go. Yeah. And while he's there, she happens to die. (laughs) Yes. And they, of course, immediately blame him or blame the English, I suppose. Uh, uh, And now the French are super pissed at her again. Yes. Yeah. But Cecil advises her that maybe this is time to make good with the Spanish because the Spanish have an armada and a lot of money, especially in, you know, in South America, a lot of gold and silver. And maybe they're the ones to make peace with and bring them into the fold. But of course, Elizabeth doesn't want to do that because A, she doesn't like being told about marriage and B, she doesn't want to marry a Catholic king, I imagine. Yeah. Especially when she's trying to maintain this Church of England thing. And so I think this is like one of the most emotional scenes in the entire Mm -hmm. movie. And, uh... I'm just going to play it. Do it. All right. Of course I shall deny it. But your majesty must publicly dissociate herself from this most bloody act. I never ordered it. Of course, madam, of course. You must also make conciliatory gestures towards the Spanish. Your dependence upon their goodwill is even greater than ever. I, I really must The word insist. must is not used to princes. I have followed your advice in all the affairs of my kingdom, but... But your policies would make England nothing but either part of France or Spain. From this moment, I am going to follow my own opinion. And see if I do any better. Forgive me, madam, but you're only a woman. I may be a woman, Sir William, but if I choose, I have the heart of a man. I am my father's daughter. I am not afraid of anything. I... I deeply regret, madam, if I have caused you such offence. Though God knows... All my advice has only ever been to secure your majesty's throne. And I am grateful for it. I just, I think Richard Attenborough, that is his scene. That is his fucking emotional crux. And he nails that. Just like the tremble in his voice as he says it. Another good one earlier, as you talked about when she finds out that Robert is already married. He does it again. He mm-hmm. has this like little tiny tremble in his voice where you can tell like, yes, he's basically doing his job. He's looking after. There's also a big part of him that actually has genuine affection for the crown and like her in particular. Yes, absolutely. 
And it's a very yeah, a very emotional scene. She's basically letting him go. Yeah. And in that scene, if you watch the scene, guys, we we have video in the studio, not to brag, <laughs> but if you watch the scene, it's even shot with like there's one shot where Elizabeth is like in the foreground and Cecil is like over here, like across from her, and he looks very small. Yeah, like she's taking she is the camera. She is definitely looking raised down. up and and is kind of looking down on and him. He's and... he's isolated. There's no one around him, so it's very like it's. Yeah. It's a gut punch. So continuing, another plot is discovered in the letters sent from Rome to their agents in England thanks to Sir Francis. Yes. He tortures those names out of our friend the monk, who at one point makes an approach on the queen where she's standing in the uh, the chapel, or the chapel, the abbey, I suppose, and he walks up on her looking super badass in his uh, black monk robes. So slow-mo. But then somebody comes in and he kind of waves off and walks well, that, away. Well, that's when she gets distracted by the... the lady who died from the poison dress yes absolutely that's what broke it up exactly so lucky for that yes lucky that her uh la- one of her ladies died tragically and horrifically from a poison dress so he tortures the names out of our handsome monk friend and goes all fucking godfather on them we oh, have a yeah. literal like swelling of music and series of scenes of people being murdered it's an assassination montage assassination montage classic um and we see Lord Norfolk just banging the shit out of a chick, and then he gets approached while that is in process. Yeah, well, before that, he actually uh, signs. <laughs> no, well, probably. Mm. Well, actually, I don't know if he does or not. I think he gets blue balls. Um, but before that, he actually signs a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Those, those papers that the priest had yes. sent out, because Elizabeth says, let him sign it, because yes. then we can get him on treason. Exactly. So he signs it. Then they're fucking, and then, yes, he, they get interrupted, and he gets taken to the tower. Absolutely. And the, the sad one is Arendelle and his wife. Yes. Because, yes, they join the conspirators, but you can tell that it's, it's not as cut and dry in that and situation. They got kids. And they got kids, and I don't think the wife is really anything, but, but you know, she kind of helped them, so she kind of has to go with it, you know what I mean? And, and Elizabeth has this moment mm. early in the film, at the beginning, we didn't mention, it's a very small detail, but when she first got arrested, Arendelle was the one who tried to give her his jacket. Mm-hmm. And she says, "I don't want your pity." Yeah. And she and he says, "No, just get, just let me do it for my sake." And yeah. she's like, "I I will not forget your kindness." So at the end, when Arendelle and his wife are about to be executed, she says, "Listen, your children will be perfectly safe. I will have someone take care of them. They'll be fine. I, I have not forgotten all your all your kind acts." So it's yeah. this nice little story within the movie. Yeah, nice little come come around on that. Exactly. Absolutely. So basically what happens here is that she is consolidating her power. Now, folks, if, if you want to go on the internet, there's a video by one CGP Grey called The Keys to Power, which explains how this works. And this is essentially what she's doing. She is securing her keys to power and eliminating opposition. And she does it very well. And so because she kills them all, except one person, Brendan. She doesn't kill one person. She doesn't kill Robert Dudley. Just tell me why. Why? Madam. Is it not plain enough to you? It is no easy thing to be loved by the Queen. It would corrupt the soul of any man. No. I 
think rather to let you live. Madam, that is not wise. Lord Robert has committed treason. It must be made example of. And I will make an example of him. He shall be kept alive to always remind me of how close I came to danger. Well, and I don't think we mentioned it, but Dudley was actually persuaded to join the conspirators earlier in the film. Yes. Um, Under the guise of help the Spanish ambassador uh, to get the king of Spain to marry her, to protect your queen. And protect your country. Right. He wasn't, he didn't know, like, he didn't know about a plot to kill her. But because he was involved in this, he's just as much to blame as everyone else. And yes, but he is spared, and Absolutely. as you as you heard in that wonderful scene, yes. Uh, so he is uh, he's alive. Uh, whether he should, whether he wants to be or not, that's for him to find out. Mm-hmm. So at this point, this is when Elizabeth begins her transformation. She shaves her head, Brendan. Shaves her head just like Britney Spears. Paints herself all over with white lead paint, just like Donna Summer. I don't know that Donna Summer ever did. You that. don't know I history. Don't think Donna Summer's ever done white. Listen, face. listen. You want to hear? You want to hear my uh, funk podcast? My my. I'm so excited with Brendan. Yes, <laughs> just, just me jerking off. <laughs> oh, that to Donna is Summer. Five minutes of terror. Five. You're giving me a lot of credit. <laughs> so she so she does herself up in the classic Elizabeth garb that we. This is like the moment in the superhero movie when the origin story is finished and you see Superman in his costume for the first time. This is her, the Elizabeth Superman. Well, Superman's movie. a terrible example because he's already <laughs> Superman. <laughs> okay, Spider-Man. There we go. It's, still, it's like Tobey Maguire showing up in the suit. <laughs> so uh, she comes out. She's got this new look, this new uh, attitude, you might say. She declares herself a virgin queen, which is clearly a lie, but is She's a useful fucked. lie. She's fucked. She's totally fucked. But this is a useful lie, and she declares herself the virgin queen who is now married to England. Much in the same way a nun is married to Jesus, she is married to England. Indeed. And presents herself to Parliament, Elizabeth. The end? The end. At least until 2007's The Golden Age. Well, now that we've gone through that, Jason, I have a huge section here about historical accuracy. We definitely need to get into that. But before we get into that, I just want to talk a little bit about the movie. Yes. Um, So Shekhar Kapoor, the director of this film, Indian director, uh, just interestingly enough, his first choice for this role of Queen Elizabeth was Emily Watson. Hmm. But uh, she turned it down. So Kate Blanchett was chosen to play Elizabeth after Kapoor just saw her in a trailer, like just a trailer of a movie called Oscar and Lucinda. Mm-hmm. And he was so blown away by her, he said, send her in for an audition. Get me that woman. I don't know why Shakur Kapoor sounds like uh, Ricardo Montalban, but that's just how I picture it in my head. Get me the woman in that trailer. Well, yes, I will chase her around the moons of Nibia, around the Antares Maelstrom, around Perdition's flame before I give her up. Oh, I was going to say, welcome to Fantasy Island. Yes, you would say that, wouldn't you? <laughs> so, and according to, uh, there's a, a director's commentary on the on the DVD, Kapoor mentioned that the role of the Pope, who's played by John Gilgood, was originally offered to and accepted by the one, the only, Marlon Brando. Which would have been great. 
However, <laughs> the reason this didn't go down is because a lot of the cast in the film were heard about this and were like, no, no, no. <laughs> they were basically concerned that they would be, that Brando would be on set with them for two days. Like, they, that is the kind of, oh, I mean, you know, you've all Who heard, was concerned? Daniel Craig? <laughs> I think just British actors who worked with them before. Well, I mean, yes. You all know the reputation Marlon Brando has on a film set, so it shouldn't be that much of a surprise. But God, when you can squeeze the performance out of him? Mm. Plus, I'm guessing he probably wanted something crazy like five million dollars a day or I something. I wonder. I wonder if, like many other movies, he got paid but didn't do any work. Oh boy, <laughs> I I wouldn't be surprised if he got paid something just for accepting it. I um, want to hear. I got to hear the full story sometime. I've only heard bits of it with Andy Richter because he worked on uh, Scary Movie Two, mm-hmm. and they have that opening scene with yeah. the priest and Marlon Brando was originally cast and filmed a day on that before they. He did film. Oh yeah, no, he oh. was there. They filmed some stuff, but it didn't work out, obviously. But he still got paid. <laughs> of course he did. So later on, when you know, when he eventually cast John Gilgood, uh, the director Kapoor said he uh, told John Gilgood, "Well, I want the Pope's accent to be Italian because I mean, you're Italian Pope, you're the Pope." And everybody kind of around him was like, "You want John Gilgood, though, right?" <laughs> like. When you get John Gilgood, you want him to sound like John Gilgood. <laughs> I just picture John Gilgood being like, well, all right. Uh, uh, hey, you gotta go to England and you gotta stop on that queen. <laughs> well, it's the thing. Like, people in the movie were like, you don't hire John Gilgood unless you want him to sound like John Gilgood. It's like if you wanted an Italian accent, you should have hired an old Italian actor. <laughs> exactly. Let's get into the historical stuff. Yeah. First big one. We get the. Uh, I mean, this is not in any kind of order, but we get well, the. We get right the, the gate. We should just say the timeline of this movie from real history is mixed up a lot. It's yeah, and it's also condensed. Into I'm a not going to go through what time. it is because I, I can't. It's it's very complicated history, but it is mixed up. Elizabeth was older in a lot of stuff and younger in some things. And so, for one of the first big things is uh, you know there's this whole reveal where Elizabeth finds out that Robert Dudley is already married. This was already... She already knew this. Yes. This was not a, an issue. Um, they were actually imprisoned together in the Tower of London during Mary the First's reign and were best friends, or speculated to be best friends, uh, or even closer, if you believe the rumors, I guess. I love the idea of being... Oh, ooh, they might be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> it was also thought that the Queen may have even granted his divorce from his yeah. wife. So, I mean, yes, she knew... Just in the family tradition, Right. <laughs> right. And also that he was not ever implicated in any conspiracy. And in fact, they remained friends until his death. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah, he wasn't involved in anything like that. Uh, She was kind of forced to distance herself from him. uh, When there was a specul, there was some speculation that she had maybe arranged his wife's murder to free him from that marriage because his wife died shortly after they were planning to get married. I'm sure it was a coincidence. Uh, and again, yes, they remain close to his death. And actually there's some theories out there too, that her last words were Robert Dudley. Hmm. Uh, the Duke of Anjou was probably not a transvestite. Well, I don't, or know, a I don't think there's any evidence to that fact. Um, but Elizabeth never even saw him. Yeah. So there's the, you know, uh, apparently Duke, later in life, she courted his, um, brother perhaps or or at least was interested in the possibility of of courting this guy uh well i mean first of all he was 18 years her junior yes and she did not uh, sorry he did not present his suit before her until 1579 when elizabeth was 46 years old yes pretty much dead at that point in those days (laughs) well she lived till she was about 70 i think oh yeah but she, she she kind of 
she toyed with the idea for a while, but ultimately didn't go with him, as in the movie. Uh, Francis Walsingham, this is a big one. Francis Walsingham, as played by Jeffrey Rush, did not murder Mary of Guys. No. That was not a thing that happened. I believe she all. died of a, in a, in edema. Edema, yes. Yeah, whatever whatever age, that is. At the ripe old age of 44. Yeah. There's no even record of her meeting or entertaining Walsingham and him poisoning her or whatever he did is just pure fiction. The director, Jason, the director of this movie, couldn't really keep track of who was old, who was young. Yeah. Uh, Because, I mean, Cecil was only 40 years old. The play by Richard Attenborough. (laughs) You remember Richard Attenborough in 1993 in Jurassic Park? This was five years after that. Yeah. So... Uh, Richard Attenborough is like an 80-year-old man playing a 40-year-old. This this was just a straight... This was Shakur uh, Kapoor saying, like, look how old people were back in the days. This guy's only 40 and look at him. Hey, you know what? Maybe. There's also a, uh, Bishop Gardner. There's like a, It's like the main old curmudgeon bishop. Actually died three years before Elizabeth even took the throne. Nah. Uh, Francis Walsingham was like in his mid-20s, and I'm sorry, Jeffrey Rush, <laughs> but you don't look to be in your mid-20s. Certainly not in 1998, and certainly not now, no matter how many snakes you have hanging off your face. <laughs> and her main chief lady-in-waiting, Kat Ashley, again played by Emily Mortimer, who you may remember from Red Dragon? No. Okay. Well, actually, wait. Is Joseph Fiennes in that movie? Or is it Ray Fiennes? I think it's Ray Fiennes. Holy shit. By the way, I just want to take this opportunity just to the world out there that's listening, all six of you. uh, Fuck Brett Ratner. Yeah, fuck Brett Ratner, of course. Thank you. But that means that uh, Emily Mortimer has been in a movie with both Fiennes. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, But anyway, Emily Mortimer, her character, Kat Ashley, looks to be about the same age as Elizabeth in this movie. In reality, she was like 31 years older. Ah. Um, And then my last one, and I'm sure you have a few more, uh, Norfolk, of course, played by Christopher Eccleston, was not the shit that he is in this movie. He was a shit, but he wasn't like... In the sense that I'm sure all nobles were shits in those days. But he wasn't like a mastermind. Yeah. He didn't... He he was coveting the throne, but not in any kind of way where you thought he was going to do anything about it. He was going to stage a coup. He did take part in this conspiracy thing, though, and he was executed for that reason. But he's he, no Oliver North. No. Wait, that's the wrong Oliver. Sorry. Say, he's no Oliver Cromwell. I thought you were going to say Oliver Reed. Oliver North. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Oliver Reed. No, no, no. Oliver Cromwell, Lord Protector of England. Yeah, Oliver North is a good guy. Yeah. What are you talking <laughs> Great about? Great guy. Uh, <laughs> but he was, uh, you know, he was just like a shitty cousin. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's all he was. Uh, any other, I'm sure there's more. A few other things I gotta mention. Uh, it's not actually exactly known what Mary died for. Uterine cancer was a theory, um, but it may have, it may have been something else. Uh, uh, there was, she did have false pregnancies where she thought she was pregnant, but none of them were the result of her actually having a tumor specifically. Right. So just a big poop. Yeah, just a real big poop. Uh, Elizabeth painting her face was something she'd actually started five years before that it's depicted in this movie uh, because she had smallpox scars. I believe that's also maybe part why she shaved her head as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, so just covering that up and looking the part. So it's not it's not the, the... The movie suggests it's this way of her identifying with the Virgin Mary, but really it was a very uh, necessary thing yeah, for her to do. Yeah, it was a concocted image, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that's basically it. Um yeah, so and again, it, the timeline. Man. This it's, this is the sort of movie that a substitute history teacher would show on a rainy afternoon because they don't know that much about history. Well, I've got news for you. My non-substitute English teacher showed this to us. Ah. 
Well, uh, English, okay, I get it. I think my English teacher may have shown us some of this anyways. Yeah, and she quickly ran up to the TV with the clipboard because there's a scene, there's two scenes where you see boobies. In one scene, Kate Blanchett, very briefly. And another scene, the girl that is having intercourse with the Duke of Norfolk. Do you see her boobs? I don't remember oh, seeing her yes. boobs. Oh, yeah, you do. Wow. Yeah. You I see, think I would have noticed Are you talking that? about Kate Blanchett? It's very quick. Yeah, it must be. You see like a little nip. Well, I mean, I would have taken advantage of that if I'd have noticed it. God damn it. All right, well, let's shall we just get into this a little bit a little bit further, a little deeper dive. Dive deep on the production. Yeah, I want to talk about the production. Speaking of which, that's the first big thing I have God because damn. this movie not only does it look great, just costumes, sets, makeup, whatever that stuff aside, it's not directed like any other costume drama I've seen. Mm-hmm. You've get you've got these like wide angle shots. You've got these shots from above. You got these sweeping like actually not even sweeping like it's shot like a. I almost want to say like a modern action movie at times. Yeah. Like you you come in with these overhead shots. You've got spinning. this you've got this spinning, you've got this music. This is like big haunting music mm. that we opened the show with that you heard. Um and you know while and while it's giving you the idea like the ro- like the the church is split between Protestants and Catholics. It has these two crosses and they just yeah. split on the it, screen. It, it comes across as very Monty Python and the Holy Grail like just really like bong bong like, like just this this intense you know <laughs> but then of course we quickly learn don't forget guys this is a time when there was almost nothing to do i wrote down actually i wrote your name jason because i wrote down jason you ain't wrong when you say there was nothing to do back then because mm-hmm. elizabeth in order to just have some fun she's just dancing around while some guy bangs wooden spoons together yeah that's what that's you what did they did they couldn't play super mario brothers brendan they had to <laughs> dance around and bang wooden spoons what do you think about what do you think about joseph fines in this movie he's fine He's yeah. fine. He's like, he fuck you. Fuck you, Jason. Go <laughs> fuck yourself and the horse you rode in on. No, he's great. He's, he does, like, I mean, he's a good actor. I mean, at the end of the day. Yeah. So everybody in this movie is great. I mean, there's no problems with anybody. I, I think Joseph Fiennes, if I had to pick one, though, I think he might be the weaker link for me. In terms of the cast in general. Yeah. I don't think he's bad. And I'm interested to see what he's like in the other, in Shakespeare in Love, because mm. he's the lead in that one. But he's got this sort of thing where I'm like constantly like, oh man, I wonder how this would be if Rafe Fines was doing it. Because I feel like Rafe is the better Fines. He's he's the broader Fines, certainly. The, yeah. And I mean that in physically, like not 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 broader comedically. He's broader physically. <laughs> Rafe Fines known for his broad, broad comedy. comedies. But uh, yeah, no, I think Rafe might have been a little better in this role. I think he feels a bit weedy, if, if anything else. I mean... I, he, Maybe. he seems so tiny compared to everybody else. Like everybody else wearing these big clothes and broad people, and then you got Richard Attenborough with his belly and his beard. Yeah. Welcome to Jurassic Park. Da, 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 da. That's the Jurassic Park music, right? Da, 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 da. <laughs> no, you again. You don't. Da, 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 da. Okay. Da, 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 da. I love all these little like duplicates of scenes that start. You pop up at the beginning, mm-hmm. and then you see them again at the end. There's one. There's a couple little ones. Like the first little one is when Elizabeth is first arrested. Mm-hmm. She's coming in, and you see like a head on a pike. Yeah, and it's obvious this person has wronged the queen in some way, and that's where she's going. She's going because they think she's wronged the queen, yeah. right? And you get a very like reaction, like oh, like a haunting, like this is terrifying. Like she's what is she getting into? End of the film. What do you see that kind of gives you relief that she's dealt with her kind of conspirators and the people against her? So you see three heads on a pike. You yes. get a much, very much different reaction to mm-hmm. that. And that's just so interesting. He uses basically the same things to get these to get the completely opposite reactions. Yeah, like one of terror, but then one of complete relief. And... Complete relief, <laughs> and it's more heads that yeah. you feel the complete relief. That's with. right. The more heads you have on pikes, Brendan, the less anxiety. Well, I feel, anyways, in my life. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, because you are a queen. You know yes. it, brother. You know it, brother. <laughs> so, Queen Hulk Hogan. That's right. <laughs> the, other, the other scenes uh, that I think really stand out in terms of like... Um, like they have duplicates at either end of the movie uh, is there's a dance scene early on, of course, where Elizabeth is rejecting kind of the suitors from Spain and France yeah. to their representatives. Not them, because they wouldn't show up to that no, party. No, certainly not. But she's like saying, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever. And then she dances with Dudley. Yeah. They have this very seductive dance mm. number who anyone watching is like, like when she's surprised later when Cecil knows that they're fucking, I'm like, anybody at that party knows you're fucking girl. Like, they're basically on each other. I was sweating during that scene. <laughs> so was I, and I used it as lubricant. Hey. So that dance scene is very, uh, you know, very vibrant, very alive, lots of people dancing, happy. Yeah. And then you cut to later... It's that scene where she dances with him again. Yeah. Totally different vibe. Much more, yeah, much more serious. Much Tension. More like, yeah. like, you know she knows that he's married. He's not sure why she's not talking to him. And in that scene, she won't even open it, open her mouth. And then there's that great line, too, where he says, uh, you think he says, you are you are my queen. And she mm. says, I am no one's queen. That's right. And she, it's, it, it, there's a little, there's a little like, feminist... Uh, you're, you're my Elizabeth. Or you're something. my Elizabeth. And she's like, I'm no one's Elizabeth. Yeah. There's a very, like, feminist thing yeah. going on here, which I, I dig. Well, and it's him, and it's reinforcing him kind of forgetting that she is... The, she's not just his girlfriend. She's yeah. the goddamn monarch. She is, like, divinely appointed, really. I, I gotta say, too, uh, Francis Walsingham, played by Jeffrey Rush, quite possibly the best character introduction scene I've ever seen. Yeah. Or at least it's up there. Because how do we meet him when he was sitting in this room? I don't know if he... Has he just, like, seduced this young man? Because I get the feeling... I He never see him with a woman or a man. Yeah. And he does kind of seduce Mary, but, I mean, it's to kill her. Yeah. I get the feeling that he's kind of, like, uh, fluid in his sexuality. Could be. Could be. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the their relationship was. I maybe assumed that he was, like, some sort of... You know, just like a like a like a boy servant, like a you know. But why does he like like? Do we know why he tried to kill him? I don't think so. I think that Walsing Walsingham is the kind of guy that would be targeted for assassination because of his involvement in politics. And I will say too, um, not being a very big history buff like you are. Uh, from this opening scene, I assumed he was one of the villains. Yes, like, yeah, I, that's an easy. Well, I mean, I, to be fair, I didn't. I don't know much about this period, so mm-hmm. yeah, I assumed the same thing too. I, I said that's a hell of a villain introduction. Yeah, I was kept waiting for the turn. That yeah. he was going to like try to kill her or something. Well, and I said, oh, Christopher Eccleston is also the villain. Oh, okay, maybe he's the lesser villain. Yeah, and he's like ultimately going to help her, but that was not what happened. No. It's a little thing here I, I picked up on is like, uh, man, shit hasn't changed. Women still don't have control of their bodies. No. Nope. There's a bit here where Cecil says, I need to inspect her bed sheets every morning. Yeah. Because her bodily fluids are no longer her own. Uh, yeah. Well, but I mean, that's, I guess you want to keep the queen alive. You want to make sure she's, uh, everything's going good. Yeah. It's just a weird way to put, yeah, <laughs> put yeah. it. Um, but again, it's like a thing where, it, I mean, it's a thing. It, Back then, Doctor was more of a hobby than it was a profession. Yeah. yeah. Well, as we learned in The Madness of King George. But I want to say that, too, is they make Cecil... Cecil, I think, is very likable, but he also says these very, like, archaic things. Like like we heard earlier in the clip where he said, uh, you're just a woman. Yeah. Right? But that, I mean, that's the time... That's the mindset of the men at the time. 
but we but I think the movie um, I kind of respect this movie a little bit more for not just making him so jolly and gosh darn likable and he says all the right things all the time yeah. like they they do make him a little bit more complicated you know yeah, the, he, he fills that kind of like father figure role that she doesn't have because Henry's been dead since you know a long time right 10 years yeah I don't know that's a long time <laughs> a long time oh Alec Guinness goodbye oh goodbye Alec Guinness <laughs> Did you notice that this, uh, going back to the whole thing where I said there's kind of a feminist vibe going on here. Did you notice the sex scene that she has with uh, Joseph Fiennes? It's all about her pleasure. Yeah. Well, she's the queen. But no, no. This is before she becomes the queen. Well, she'll be the queen. Or maybe it's right after she becomes it. She also has red hair, so she knows what she wants. (laughs) But it is surprising to see this in a 90s movie. Yes. I mean, I don't even think we get that in English Patient. No. That was very much like... No fish hooking, but <laughs> no. Joseph is not taking out taking after his brother. He's not here. taking sex advice from Rafe. No, that'd be weird. <laughs> Why are we forty year old men talking, <laughs> giving each other sex advice? Ah, uh, Joey boy, you just gotta put a finger in her mouth. She love it. Rafe, uh, you're that's your real accent. <laughs> that's what I sound like. I'm just a real good actor. I am. Jim, Jim, Jimmery, Jim, Jimmery. Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Um, I didn't mention this in the background, but Catholics didn't care for this movie. Catholic no. League didn't care for this movie. I mean... They don't really care for any movie. No, but you know what? No, I'm not agreeing with them. But I'm going to say I completely understand it well, in they, this they case. are certainly the villains of the film. <laughs> they, I mean, I mean, a Catholic priest murders someone with a rock. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the... But you know they did. Oh, I, yes. But every Catholic in this movie is pretty evil. But then we also have to remember that the, the the Protestant Reformation led to the Puritans, who then went to the States, and led to, guess what? Salem Witch Trials. Which, again, we're behind. <laughs> we're totally in support of. <laughs> we are 100% Puritan on this podcast. <laughs> so put your shit away and focus on this. And focus on Daniel Craig. Mm. Did you... I was, I was, I paused the movie and I said, is that fucking Daniel Craig? And I did the same thing and said, yes. Even though you were in a different room. Different place, different, different different side of the river. Different country. I mean, let's not go that far. It, we had a a very passport to Pimlico like situation (laughs) where my apartment became Burgundy. Yeah, it was Burgundy. It still is. It's very nice here. I like the view. Do you like the color? It's good. It's uh, very uh, off-white. Yes, that's what I was going for. I like the old old-fashioned dick jokes from Vincent Castle. He says something about like you must have the right key to a woman's heart or a very big key. Oh, again, more reason to hate this guy. He's yeah, the he's, worst. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> he's kind of like uh, Alan Bates's character from uh, Women in Love. Mm-hmm. Like when he's at the table talking about like the, oh the yeah. fucking ugh, yeah. that scene yeah the, what is he what is the thing he is talks it fruit about? he's talking about like the uh, how to eat to it? a vagina yeah eating fruit and, yeah you know. it's that movie's gross yeah <laughs> <laughs> best wrestling match on film though I mean it's up there Steamboat and Savage is probably still number one but it's close and of course the main event from uh, uh, No Holds Barred yes with Tiny Lister is that the guy's name <laughs> well Zeus come on yeah, Zeus yeah um. And then, well, actually, you know what I I said earlier about the things that kind of the, the mirrored scenes is there's another one I actually just remember too. There's not a mirrored scene, but I guess a mirrored line. But Elizabeth has this line early on. We heard when she's talking to Mary when she gets arrested, mm. and she says, 
you know, act on behalf of the Catholic Church. Please promise me that. And like you said, she says, I will act on behalf of how my conscience dictates. There's then a later scene with uh, Joseph Fiennes, Robert Dudley, who the Spanish ambassador is trying to persuade to kind of come on their side. Mm -hmm. And he says, he basically says, um, I have to, I can only do it as my conscience dictates. Yeah. And that, like, that's a narrative. That's a boom. Tying those two characters together. Themes. So you kind of, like, I think... Like, I guess you kind of root for them to get to, to make it work, yeah. right? But, I mean, at the back of your mind, like, this is not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to fall I mean, apart. eventually, you know, 100, year, 100 years? No. Uh, yeah, I think about 100 years from now is the English Civil War. And this is obviously one of the major sticking points is the mm-hmm. Protestants and Catholics and Scotland and all this stuff. Um, another great bit of filmmaking detail is right after the scene where... Um, Francis Walsingham has killed Mary of Guise. Again, mm-hmm. doesn't really happen in, in real life, but whatever. Um, after that scene, Elizabeth is sitting there and she's got this red sheet in front of her. This yeah. like like thin, like silky, like red sheet. And I mean red. I mean you're going. You're pretty obvious what you're going for here. I, I, for me, it's like it's like. Um, it's more. She's more isolated first of all because mm-hmm. she's getting a little bit more ruthless. Right. Yeah. We don't. I get the idea like that. Francis went to Mary of Guise. Maybe on his own, but I kind of get the feeling that maybe she told him to kill her. But we don't really get an answer to that. No, maybe she did the mafia thing where he's like, where she's just like, you know, it'd be really good if I didn't have to worry about this guy anymore. Like if she took the Donald Trump approach, I'm just right. like, ah, you know, maybe if he were to meet an end, that would be good for us. <laughs> and I mean, she. and I mean, this is also the scene where she dumps cecil as her counsel and brings on walsingham permanently so yeah. i mean and she does that right after he's killed mary of guys so i mean that kind of puts it together he solved a one he solved another problem for her uh i guess in one way yeah and 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 her saying i am my father's daughter like mm. that's some stark imagery you're saying you are henry the eighth incarnate like yeah. this is a tyrannical crazy guy yeah. i mean let's face it no matter what good he did yeah. he was a crazy guy <laughs> who executed how many of his wives like so many monarchs that's the thing all monarchs they're great in some way uh, yeah whether it's good or bad is to be seen how many wives did he execute like three four uh, i think he will what was it i think it, i feel like he had eight wives total yeah and like at least half of them i think he killed at least a few of them died uh, until he uh, was able to establish his own church and just divorce them instead right there is one other thing I want to mention here, and then, you know, the torture scene. Yes. Right after the torture scene, of course, Walsingham has tortured Daniel Craig's character. I yes. just call him Daniel Craig. For information about the conspirators, and she says, a man will confess to anything under torture. Yes. That is still a thing that we talk about to this day. Well, and it's still a fact. It's, you, you cause somebody enough pain, they'll tell you anything they want to, you want to hear. Exactly. And then some. Yeah, like anything that will just end the pain. So yeah. even, even still, even though she's gotten a little bit more ruthless, she's definitely ordered the you know, Walsingham have all these conspirators dealt with, yeah. quote unquote, killed. She, there's still a little bit of her that's like, uh, should we be so hasty? Yeah. Like, there's still a little bit of her innocence in that. Well, and, and just maybe a little bit of intelligence of being like, yeah, we, the guy tell you what you want to hear under torture. Like, right. Yeah. And yeah. I, and we didn't mention this, but Kate Blanchett, obviously she's fucking outstanding. Oh, yeah. Amazing in this movie. She's always good. She well, always name, good. A, name a movie she's bad in, Brendan. I dare you. Shaun of the Dead, her face is covered, so we can't see her uh, face uh, acting. God damn you. 
No, her vocal performance. Yeah, she's great. great. She's great. Yeah, she's yeah. great. Um, okay, well, yeah. So, you got anything else you want to kind of point out? Does anything that stood out to you uh, as well? Uh, costumes were great. Obviously, uh, every actor was great. I already said that, um, but it's true. Uh, I did want to point you out. Yes, I do want to point out something that is something that is annoying to me, and maybe you don't feel the same way. <laughs> I did not like the opening titles in this movie because they made me think of like some Saturday afternoon TV show. Mm. Because it's like one of those opening titles where they show one name at a time, right? As the scenes are playing out, I'm okay with it in some movies. Yes, this movie didn't feel like it just the appropriate. Didn't feel right. it just, again, it just made it feel like it was like some TV show. I mean, it's a very yeah. minor thing, but I noticed it. It's fine, and like I think the best kind of use of it is like an '80s comedy yeah. or something. But like, yeah, yeah this, this is a weird. I think we kind of saw that. Uh, that yeah, it kind of reminded me of when we watched the the TV version of the Go Between. Yes, you know, you know, all these names coming up during the movie. Damn it! You put all the credits at the beginning, <laughs> and when you say the end, you fucking end. That's right. The old movies knew how to do. And then right. the post credit scene is the whole movie, as you said. It's Nick Fury coming in to uh, talk to Julie Christie and saying motherfucker would you like to join the Avengers project <laughs> and she's like we should probably do stop oh, doing episode much yes we should probably stop doing Sam Jackson impressions. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this could go wrong um, but yeah so that was Elizabeth 1998 yeah uh, it's a movie that I like a lot but it's a movie that I don't believe would be on a new version of this list Here's the thing. We need to debate this a little bit, I All think. Right. Because this is obviously a very, very historically inaccurate. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of things in this movie, almost to the point where you're like, oh, the director did not give a fuck no. about the no, research. No, clearly the, the, the priority in this was the drama. Right. And I want to say, on just that base level, mm. the drama of the movie, yeah. there's some. There's a little bit of action, there's there's amazing acting. Yeah. Just on that base level, I really movie. like this movie. Yeah. It's great. It's really good. Um, but you add in this historical inaccuracy, like all these things that were changed, and it's like, where do you where do you start drawing the line and saying, like, there's too much for it to be, like, a great movie do you know what yeah. i mean I'm, it's it's weird to say it because like if you enjoy it on a base level it should yeah. already be a great movie because that's but, the thing it's like well, we, we could watch monty python and the holy grail and that movie is certainly not historically accurate but i mean that movie's not trying to be no. historic i feel like this well, movie is this movie trying to be historically accurate? it's certainly trying to be authentic i think well no i don't think it's trying well i think the director knows he's not he's making a lot of inaccuracies but yeah. i think people watching this would assume that this is historically and that, accurate. And that is the danger like i yeah. I, f- I fear the school child that has to write a report on elizabeth the first and watches this movie and then the teacher's like what did you even do yeah and i mean we talked about it too a little bit with lawrence of arabia because yeah. there's a lot of stuff in that too honestly a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that was assumed yep. a lot of stuff that was completely nonsense yeah but um again all in the service of a film all in the service of a film, but I feel like this one is like the most egregious we've yeah. talked covered so far. Sure, it's, yeah. it's it's just takes so many liberties, and I I know what you're. I think I know understand what you're saying. Like if this was made as like a as this was a new list, I feel like that might be enough to keep it off. Yeah, especially right now it's at seventy one, so mm. it's not even that high up the list. Yeah, it's I mean freaking almost the bottom quarter of the list. Like that's the problem. Is that you? Uh... You need time for movies to kind of breathe and gestate in the public consciousness and in your own mind. This comes out in October of 1998. Yeah. And this list is 1999. Yeah. And we don't know, like, what month, obviously, it was made in. But I don't... I'm assuming it's not too late into 1999 because there's no 99 movies on this list. Mm -hmm. So... I mean, yeah, they didn't really give this a whole lot of time. I think maybe if this list would have been made, say, 2002, 2003... Mm. Might not make it for that reason alone. Yeah. And that's it's a shame, but like 
also, you should probably work a little harder on making your movies more. And then, of course, there's that weird connection of like 1998. The other movie on this list from 1998 right. uh, is Shakespeare in Love, which also deals with Elizabeth I and that era, and stars our friend Lesser Fines, Joseph, and Jeffrey Rush, and Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> so, and comes out two months after this movie. Yeah. Two months, Jason. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, this is not. This is. This is. I read this. I, I like. I kind of knew that they were close together, but that kind of fucking blows my mind because these are two period pieces, this two, was, two uh, costume dramas with two of the same actors. This was. This was Dante's Peak and Volcano for stuffy old people. <laughs> right, but it would. But. It, it would have been that if Pierce Brosnan and, like, fucking... I don't know who the girl was in Dante's Peak. Fucking, let's say Laura Dern. Sure. Like, those two were also in Volcano. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? In, like, supporting roles. <laughs> exactly. Like, it'd be the stat that just crazy. If Elijah Wood and Morgan Freeman were in Armageddon. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's it's insane. Um, but anyway... Yeah, I think it's a very good movie. It's a solid movie. It's worth a watch. But, again, don't, don't take this as gospel. If you really want to... Uh, learn the history go read wikipedia or something you're yeah. better off um but anyway so this is a big year 1998 this thing does go to the oscars yes as uh, does shakespeare in love i believe yes so this thing is nominated for let's see one two three four five seven oscars and it wins best costumes it wins one oscar oh it wins best makeup and hairstyling oh it doesn't even win best costumes who won best costumes uh, was it Shakespeare in Love? I believe so. Jesus. So here's the thing. So it gets nominated for Best Costume Design, mm-hmm. Best Cinematography, yep. Best Art Direction. Yep. I believe cinematography that year went to Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, rightfully uh, so. Best Art Direction, Best Original Dramatic Score. Now here's a really interesting one, Jason. It is nominated for Best Actress for Kate Blanchett. This isn't the interesting part. Wait till I get to the way till I get past this here. But it's nominated for Kate Blanchett for Best Actress. Other nominees are Fernanda Montenegro for Central Station, Meryl Streep for One True Thing, Emily Watson, which is funny because she was supposed to be in this movie, yeah. uh, for a movie called Hillary and Jackie. And the winner that year was Gwyneth Paltrow for Shakespeare in Love. Yeah. A Yank playing a Brit Ugh. wins instead of a Brit playing a Brit, which I'm. Hey, I'm not going to judge yet because I actually haven't seen that movie, yeah. but I am interested to hear her British accent. Oh, goodness, yes. Me too. Um, but anyway, Gwyneth Paltrow wins. Interestingly enough, Kate Blanchett obviously nominated and doesn't win that year, but Judy Dench wins Best Supporting Actress that year for playing Queen Elizabeth I in Shakespeare in Love. In an era that wouldn't be played by Kate Blanchett until 2007's Elizabeth, the Golden Age. Right. So Judy Dench wins Best Supporting Actress for playing a role that somebody playing in this movie is only nominated for. Yeah. That has got to be a It's got to be a first, yeah. I don't know how many years you see people nominated for the same historical character. Now, this is interesting. The BAFTAs are another situation entirely. Mm-hmm. So, it is nominated for, doesn't win. These are the ones that doesn't win. I'll tell you who won these awards. It's nominated for Best Original Screenplay. The Truman Show wins. Oh. Best Production Design, Truman Show. Best Editing. Really? Production Design? Okay, sorry. Uh, Best Editing, Shakespeare in Love wins. Uh Um, Best Costume Design, the winner that year is Velvet Goldmine. The David Lean Award for Direction, which I guess is Best Director. I think he probably died like a few years before this or something. In the early 90s, I think. Yeah. Uh, The Best uh, best Director that year was Peter Weir for The Truman Show. Best Film, Shakespeare in Love wins it as well. However... It does win 
Best score over Shakespeare in Love as one of the nominees. Yeah. Best makeup and hair, Shakespeare in Love is one of the nominees. Best cinematography, Shakespeare in Love is one of the nominees. It wins the Alexander Alexandra Corda Award for Best British Film. Nice. It wins Best Supporting Actor for Jeffrey Rush, who beats the other nominees that include Ed Harris, yeah. Tom Wilkinson, mm. and himself in Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> wow, a double nominee. And in the last like little sweeping bit between this like, this feud, which I'm calling a feud, which I, uh, probably is not a feud, Kate Blanchett wins Best Actress over Gwyneth Paltrow. Boom! Take so, that. The Brits give it to the Brit. The Americans give it to the American. I, I I'm I'm Team Kate because Kate Blanchett doesn't run a bullshit fucking health scam. <laughs> so I want so this feud between it's non feud, but I call it a feud yeah. between Elizabeth and Shakespeare in Love. It's so interesting to me. Again, both films released the same year. Elizabeth has a less than wide release when it comes out, though. Yeah. It comes out in October. It does well. It's made on a budget of uh, $30 million, I believe, and it makes 82 huh. Uh So it does do fairly well. Looks good for $30 million, even in $1998. I mean, Shakespeare in Love, though, something like $260 million. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. But Shakespeare in Love opens wide in December, which is like prime Oscar season because that's the cutoff, mm-hmm. right? So I'm wondering if that has something to do with it, number one. I mean, we'll get into this more when we talk about Shakespeare in Love, but it's also a well-known thing. I mean, this is a Miramax film. We had yeah. a certain Mr. Harvey Weinstein working there at the time. And don't forget Bob Weinstein. And Bob Weinstein. And Harvey was a real aggressive uh, pusher during campaign season for the Oscars. I mean, Always there's well-known cases of that one. There's um, uh, The English Patient, mm-hmm. uh, My Left Foot, uh, and even uh, Pulp Fiction. Like, he pushed for that really hard. So, I mean, there's a little bit of a bully vibe to that. So, I don't know how... It'll be interesting once we watch that movie. Because yeah. I want to know how legitimate that feels. And of course, I want to see that movie, too. Because I, I just, I've just long held the same grudge against it that many people held. Is that I thought Saving Private Ryan should have won that year. And, of course, that movie was the one that won the best picture. So, And I have to look at the other nominees. Because I don't know if I'm completely behind Saving Private Ryan winning that year. Yeah, I don't even remember what else was nominated. Just those two. <laughs> yeah, because I... Um, I watched it again recently, and like it, I'm not saying it doesn't hold up, but it definitely wasn't as strong as I remembered. No, it's uh, it it it's it's not the greatest war movie ever made. I I find it incredibly entertaining, but it's the, really good. But the various scenes in it and the actors are good, and I yep. think it all holds together enough that it's an entertaining watch for, for sure. sure. And and of course, features one of the most intense scenes ever filmed in that D-Day opening. Yes, I mean it's okay. That's an okay scene. <laughs> Is that really remembered at all? <laughs> but anyway, Jason. Uh, that, Leave all that aside. Yeah. We have talked about Elizabeth. We have conquered Elizabeth's we, kingdom. We have. We, Queendom? Queendom, sure. <laughs> we, we talked about this movie. Uh, great movie. Check it out. But now comes the time in every young man's life where we must find out what we're going to talk about next week. Get ready. So Jason, what are we about to do here? We are going to roll two dice, or die. Was die singular? Dice. dice. We're going to roll two dice, one of which is a green D10 that features the tens, and a the other is a red D10, which features uh, ones. Can you guys so see it? You can see it through the microphone. Brennan is waving it around. And I believe it is Brennan's turn this week to roll the, these die. This is true. So what Jason is going to do is he's going to take... I like how we're narrating everything yeah. we do. <laughs> Jason is going to do... He's going to take this paper... Paper copy of the BFI old Top 100 school. list. Yes, like the Will Ferrell movie. That's right. Uh, Anchorman. Dust in the wind. 
So what is he? What he's gonna do is he's gonna hold that list. I'm gonna roll one of these at a time. We're gonna find out what number on the BFI Top 100 we're gonna talk about next week. This is very exciting, Jason. It's the Let's, best part of every episode. Here we go. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so here we go. Let's roll the tens first. What do we got? The ninety. Okay, we're in the nineties. We're in the late, late 90s. Oh, carry on. Let's do this. Yeah, let's finally get this shit done. 94. 94. That would be The Bells of St. Tristan's, 1954, Frank Launder. Trinian's, you mean? Yes, <laughs> The Bells of St. Trinian's. Okay. No idea. No idea. <laughs> I, I'm uh, I'm in a black narcissist mood uh, after hearing the title, so we'll see. It, so- it sounds very, um, yeah, it sounds very just like drama. Yeah. 94. No. Wow. Oh, I was say, the, the year's 54, but yes, 94 on the list. 94 on the list. So we're going back to uh, one we have absolutely no idea. We yeah. kind of go back and forth, I feel like. Yeah, it's like fun. It's been a good mix. The the dice gods have served us well. So the Bells of St. Trinians, which we'll talk about uh, next week. But until then, Jason, we should tell the listeners to come visit us on Facebook. Check you us s- out. You can search for us. Uh, just search for Screen and Country. We are out there. We're also on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can also find Jason on Twitter at Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. And he usually just uh, tweets, you know, Sex Pistol lyrics, uh, mostly non-Queen related songs. Absolutely. Just all their non-political stuff. That's right. Yeah. You know, the stuff that really, you really dig into. You know? when, when they when they did country at the beginning, which are in their experimental phase. When they, when they were doing uh, uh, covers of uh, the Four Tops. And they did the a non- four bands <laughs> a non-sarcastic god save the queen <laughs> um but yeah so until then i just gotta say to you jason god save the queen and i'm talking about kate blanchett god save the screen and i'm talking about the one that no doubt is put in front of her at some point so the people can't see her and she maintains her mystique and for screen and country i'm brendan and i'm jason long live the queen the queen is dead. Long live another queen. Damn. This one specifically that I'm pointing to right now under this tree in this scene that looks like a painting. Her. Long live her. The queen. Elizabeth. Her majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. Her majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she changes from day to day. I want to tell her that I love her a lot, but I gotta get a belly full of wine. Her Majesty's a very nice girl, someday I'm gonna make her mine. she changes from day to day. I want to tell her that I love her a lot, but I gotta get a belly full of wine. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, someday I'm gonna make her mine. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she changes from day to day. Her Majesty's a pretty nice girl, but she doesn't have a lot to say. It's time, let's check our cue, baby. Pair it with a couple brews, baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones too. So we watch them all and pass their lessons on to you. Oh yeah. Banana, 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 banana
Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit groovy With a one-lattice plot holes of gratuitous boobies It's time to get busy with your friend Steven Izzy At eilfm.podbean.com